Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can expand your sustainable and ESG opportunities with insights from leaders in the field. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these weekly conversations about developments in this fast-growing industry. I'm thrilled that Viola Lutz is joining me today on the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Lutz is... Hi, how are you? Lutz is currently heading the 12-person ISS ESG Climate Consulting Methodology and SPO team. ISS ESG is the responsible investment arm of institutional shareholder services, and that's the world's leading provider of environmental, social, and governance solutions for asset owners, managers, hedge funds, and asset servicing providers. Viola is an expert at driving innovation by leveraging resources across units and socializing new ideas in the marketplace. She was named in the Forbes 30 Under 30 European Finance List for 2020. Congratulations on that honor, Viola, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Great. So, Viola, ISS ESG recently announced the launch of a proprietary U.S. diversity index, as well as a governance quality score index family. The U.S. diversity index launch marks the first of its kind diversity index to integrate ethnicity alongside gender for U.S. company directors and executives. Available for the US, European, and Asia Pacific ex Japan markets, the governance indices aim at helping investors identify large and mid cap companies with strong board structure and shareholder rights, as well as those aligned with the UN Global Compact principles. Viola, tell our listeners why ISS ESG chose to launch the US Diversity Index and the Governance Quality Score Index family in the fourth quarter of 2020. I think a very key element is one you alluded to a little bit, and that is you mentioned it's the first of its kind in the case of the Diversity Index. And what we saw was a complete lack of indices in the current landscape, specifically addressing those topics. So we decided to act. Why did we do that? So what were the drivers behind that? First of all, both are really eminently important topics when we're talking about sustainability. Good governance is really at at really very, very core. It analyzes really any type of effort that a company does on also the environmental and social front. And board diversity is, if you will, a thing within governance. And what we've seen in 2020 is that is emerging as a very important topic. I mean, an element here is, of course, also the Black Lives Movement matters, but topics around ethnicity and gender have become more and more strongly um, being paid attention to over the past years and very consistently. So it's also a reaction to that. And there is a lot of literature around governance, diversity, and financial performance. And what we see is that since the inception of the diversity index already back in 2017, it has outperformed the S&P 500 and the Russell 3000. So I think that speaks very much 
to the topic and I think also underlines that the topic will continue to be very uh, consistently important. There's one second element, and that is, I think that it's important to give people options to act on those topics. And I think specifically the generation of the millennials is very keen to see such action. And this generation now is in their late 20s, in their early mid 30s, and is increasingly coming into money as wealth is being transferred via inheritances. And this generation cares strongly about sustainability and diversity. I'm myself actually a millennial. And over the past decade, certainly when I grew into my professional merits, um, the whole topic of ethnic and gender equality has been a constant topic. So, so I think it's important that now there are more options to also see those topics emerge in the financial sector space. Well, certainly, Viola, as you mentioned already, these, these social issues are rising to much greater prominence here in the U.S., especially oh, since the pandemic started and, and we've had the, 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 the killings uh, in, in U.S. cities and all of the, um, you know, the advocacy and the, the, the uh, going on to, into the streets. It's been a long time since that's happened here. How is that playing out in other parts of the world, for, like uh, in Europe, for example? I mean, we do have very different dynamics around that, certainly. But I think the underlying theme that social equality and inequality is something you need to keep an eye on, that there can be conscious but also very subtle um, ethnic discriminations um, and lack of diversity, and that also the gender topic continues something that needs to be addressed. It's not solved yet. I think that is a theme that I see very broadly emerging. And it's true, I think, specifically this year around um, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the riots and demonstrations you've been speaking about. I think that topic certainly has become more prominent again due to an I could say due to the impact that these discussions have had in the US. Um, so I think they are playing out with a bit of a different flavor, but I think the underlying themes of equality and diversity are, are very much the same. Great, well, thank you very much for that additional comment. Now, institutional investors, Viola, work with ISS ESG to explore climate-related risks to their investments through a suite of possible solutions. Please give our audience examples of the different ways that ISS ESG explores climate risks and solutions for your investor clients. I think what is key to, to be part of the conversations, and that's also what I would like to really convey to, to your listeners, is there are three key perspectives that are being used when people talk about climate in the context of investment. And you can imagine we are offering ready-made solutions around all of them. And maybe more importantly, we're constantly working on improving our solutions. So what are those three perspectives? Transition risk, physical risk, and climate goal alignment. So let's go through them. Transition and physical risk, the name already says it, are risk perspectives. So transition is all about the question of how prepared is a company to mitigate risks, but also to seize opportunities, of course, 
in relation to a low carbon transition. And physical risk is all about how exposed a company is to changes in the physical climate system, for example, by its own operations, say a business interruption due to a tropical cyclone. So transition and physical risks are really ways of how can you frame your exposure to climate, positive as well as negative effects. And then I mentioned the third perspective, the climate goal alignment. That is really an impact perspective. So it's the question of independent of my risks, how are companies doing with respect to the climate targets? Are they contributing or are they not contributing? And if so, how are they looking in detail? So what we do, for example, on climate goal alignment, we look into companies' emission trajectory. So how have they performed over the past five years? We're looking into what targets they are setting. So how many emissions do they plan to reduce? And then we assess whether or not companies are decarbonizing in line with the climate targets. So if, for example, a sector needs to decarbonize by 10% a year, well, we're checking if a company is effectively doing that. Viola, how, uh, well, or what is your perception um, of the awareness that institutional investors bring to these climate financial risks? Uh, I know that a lot of uh, even, even senior management people at, uh, in many corporations and people sitting on the boards of institutional investors are really just trying to get their, their minds and their thoughts around climate risk as, it, as, as our industry ramps up uh, the necessity for, to do that. How are people dealing with this? I would say that the journey has been tremendous over the past couple of years. So when I entered the space um, around uh, the Montreal Carbon Pledges, around the Paris Agreement, you didn't have a lot of people paying attention to the topic and the tools that were used of those paying attention were pretty crude. And I would say that the growth in capabilities to deal with the topic and the sophistication of the tools and the analysis perspective has grown exponentially. So I would most certainly say huge uptick, huge increase of attention. That being said, it of course started from a pretty low, if not an existent level. So definitely more a longer journey still to take, but I do think we've come to at least a point where you know clear progress was made. And what is the typical journey that I see? I would say it's all about understanding, measuring, and then acting. So typically what I see is investors go into the topic and start with a couple of basic metrics, like what companies are setting themselves targets. What is the carbon footprint of those companies? So things that are very measurable, easy to understand, easy to communicate, both internally and externally. And from there, they often go on to measuring a broader set of metrics, going more into depth of understanding the topic. So has a company reserves? Well, what does their product and services portfolio look like? Um, what is their positioning on climate change? Do they acknowledge that it exists and that they play a role? And then the last step in that, in that journey is, is action. It can be changing your portfolio composition. It can be about engagement and voting. There are really a number of tools that investors can use. But I would say this understanding, measuring, acting is a typical journey that I see in the space. 
That's great, Viola, because that really takes us to the next question that I have for you. And that is that ISS ESG works with investors to apply responsible strategies throughout the investment cycle. So do you have uh, an example of how an investor uses uh, what you have as a five-step process involved in this um, transition or understanding these strategies to ensure transparency in corporate reporting and engagement with companies on material ESG issues? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. And there are so many different angles investors can take. So, so let me maybe focus on, on two elements specifically. One is how you implement your portfolio, so how you select your assets, and the other topic being how you can implement ongoing monitoring and due diligence for your portfolios. On selecting assets, I can only say, well, data, data, data. Whether you want to engage with companies or divest, I think it's very important to know their climate characteristics. And depending on the sector, we have over 400, 500 data points per company on climate-related topics. And that allows you to implement your investing preference in a very granular fashion. Say you're interested in companies that contribute to the SDG of clean and sustainable energy. Well, we have data that shows you exactly the share of revenue that the company is generating from providing products and services, specifically supporting the achievement of that UN SDG objective. And UN SDG, just to bring all listeners on board, so that would be the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And so I think what you already hear is that the usage of the data depends very strongly on the type of objective you set yourself. Um, and I think if you have a clear objective in mind, there is data to allow you to implement that. The other element I want to briefly speak on is the question of ongoing monitoring and due diligence, because it's an easy and a tricky one at the same time. Why am I saying that? So what our clients usually use are our ready-made reports. So we do have a system in place that allows you to upload a portfolio, you click a button and you have a dashboard and a summary on key climate metrics. So all the topics we were speaking earlier about, right? Transition risks, physical risks, climate goal alignment. Right. What is key though is the consumer of the report needs to know well what are the key metrics that i want to track what are the key metrics you know i want to go back to my cio with and and show my performance and continue to improve on and i think that's that's a process um that continues to happen within those organizations great Viola, corporate and country ESG research and ratings have been especially fluid during the COVID-19 pandemic with social workplace issues, as we were discussing before, like gender and racial pay parity and career advancement opportunities coming under much greater investor and stakeholder scrutiny. Yeah. In addition, future carbon-focused regulatory infrastructure is being debated in the UK, the EU, China, and perhaps soon in the US as well. So how does the ISS ESG team manage the volume of changes in industry, sector, and even company metrics that you're tracking on an ongoing basis? I'm sometimes frankly shocked at how fast the space has started to move. And it's true, it's, 
it is a big field to track and be able to react on. And I think there are two key elements that are driving our response and our dealing with, with the space. And that is one, that there are a lot of constant themes underlying the various emerging debates. So let's say gender. Yes, it has been receiving a lot more attention, but principally speaking, we've been tracking gender composition of company boards since a very long time. So we have now emerging topics you know, to discuss what is considered an appropriate share of women on the board. Sometimes, you know, it's 20, 30, you know, there are different percentages and shares now discussed, but key is to have the underlying data point. And same for climate. You can talk about it in different flavors, but one of the key ingredients that remains is that you need to know, for example, the emissions of a company, and you need to have good and high quality data on the carbon emissions a company is emitting. So ensuring that your data fundamentals are of high quality allows you to then easily build on top to meet these various new requirements. And I think the other element that is key for us is our team. We are now more than 400 sustainability professionals and that's a lot of brain power. And crucially, I think our analysts sit in the key markets. They sit in Washington, they sit in London and Paris and Berlin, and they can give timely input on what is going on in those markets. And that keeps us up to date. Terrific. Now, Viola, we have a few minutes left in our conversation today, and I wanna focus on a recent column that you wrote in an ISS ESG Conversations on Climate you concluded that there is no one single answer on how to judge the climate credentials of a financial actor. There is no silver bullet. So please share your reasoning behind this conclusion with our investor and financial advisor audience. Let me start with a quote. Warren Buffett once said that risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. And as you said yourself, the climate and ESG space is moving fast. So investors and financial advisors naturally also need to stay on top of that journey. What that means is that the answers on how to judge the climate credentials of a financial actor, of an investment portfolio, change. On one hand, because new methodologies emerge. And on the other hand, because it always depends on your objective and the question you're asking and what you're trying to achieve. So I think key for a journey on climate, on ESG is that it's important that you know what you're doing and then you can address the risk. Terrific. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Viola, for joining me today. My guest on today's podcast has been Viola Lutz. Associate Director and Head of Investor Climate Consulting for ISS ESG. Viola, where can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about your work with ISS ESG and how can they get in touch with you for more information about topics we've discussed on the podcast program today? Well, two, two options. Feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me under Viola Lutz. 
and um, subscribe to our newsletters. You can find the newsletter on issgovernance.com. And we are constantly publishing a number of topics on the topic of climate, more specifically um, what I myself writing, but also the broader company um, on ESG. Terrific. All right. Well, thanks again, Viola Lutz. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. <laughs>